May be seated. Well, it's good to see everybody today. Uh, my name's Michael. I'm the pastor here, uh, if you didn't know. And uh, we'd like to thank you if you're joining us online also. And so today's Children's Day, uh, among other things. We have a lot of fun things going on. Ice cream after the service. We've got a VBS meeting and a special announcement that we'll make at the end of the service as well. Um, but I wanted to share something with you. Uh, Randy Baker gave to me before we... Uh, got going on service, and it's Children's Day, and we, we share in a lot of things, in uh, new birth, in life, in uh, illness, and good times, and happy times, and also in sad times, the celebration of life. And uh, so for those of you who um, didn't know, Randy Baker's father passed away um, uh, recently, and uh, I wanted to thank you for reaching out and just extending kindness to them. And they had a, uh, a letter that they wanted me to read for you guys and so it says this, Thank you to everyone at Elba Baptist Church for your words of compassion, thoughts, prayers, and cards. After the recent passing of my father, these things continue to show us that Elba Baptist Church and the people here are very special. Thank you again. And um, so I want to extend that to you also. So in, uh, in celebrating uh, life and goodness and you know, the good times, we also um, think about that and we share that together. Uh, so... Um, with that, I wanted to uh, just introduce the message. Uh, we're going to be in our series, New Life, and we've been in that. And um, today, we're going to be looking at living law in Psalm 19, 7 through 14. And the phrase I want you to remember, if you see that, PTR on Facebook or anywhere else, I'm going to try to start using that, and so hopefully you can kind of catch on to that as you see it. Um, power in the Word. So, so why are we here? What are we reading? Well, last week we looked at uh, this living creation. In Psalm 19, we see both of those elements and the living creation and now the living law, how God ties all those things together from the beginning of His creation to giving us the law, uh, that actual physical law that God gave Moses in the Ten Commandments on the tablets, and how Jesus, we know, was the fulfillment of that law, the literal uh, Word, the incarnation Jesus who came in the flesh and was given to us as the sacrifice for our sins. And so uh, I love Psalm 19 because when we read it, we really can look at the entirety of the Bible and understand that, that it all flows together. Some people have said, well, the Old Testament is outdated. It doesn't matter. Some people have said, well, the New Testament, it's too new age, too modern. We can't handle that. We want to stick to the old. Well, the truth is God gave us the entirety of his word so that we can understand it together. And Psalm 19 really gives us a good picture of that. And so I was thinking about the message this week, and as I was praying about it, I just saw some things online. There's been a lot of disputes over what should and shouldn't be taught in school, right? And uh, I know many of you are close to that. Maybe you were a school teacher and you retired. Maybe you're a teacher right now. And, and a lot of us, a lot of you are kind of under the mercies of what are we being told we should and shouldn't teach? What are we being told we can and can't talk about? And I found something interesting as I was getting ready for the message because it was about uh, really this living law and the power of the Word and how in the past it's been a lot more significant than it is right now uh, in, our, in our lives and in our government and in our schools. And uh, you might find this interesting. It was back in 1854, a uh, government entity known as the United States Congress said these words, The Congress of the United States recommends and approves the Holy Bible for use in its schools. Oh, you ever think that happened? Well, it did. And um, I think it'll set us up well as we go in to the message. As people think that the 
uh, Bible becomes less relevant as time goes on. It, it only maintains its relevance, right? Um, there's all kinds of new ideas and new things and things that people come up with, and we should talk about this and we shouldn't talk about that, or this is culturally relevant right now. When we look at the Word, it's timeless, isn't it? And while nation will go from recognizing God to not, and you will see um, these things all over the world, whether we submit ourselves to God or we don't, they make an impact, don't we? Don't they? They make an impact on our culture and on our society. And oh, man, I hope we get back to that, right? Don't you? Uh, and so, first fill in the blank is just this power to transform. This power to transform. So it says in verse one, or sorry, in verse seven of Psalm nineteen, it says, "The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple." And I love all these elements that we, we've already talked about. We've sang about this morning, these, these dry bones being revived. We sang about being revived in the Lord. And, and what does the Word continually do for us? We know. And especially if we've had seasons where we've just said, you know what, the Word's not that important. Or, you know what, I'm going through a rough time and I don't really want to spend time with the Lord. I don't want to seek Him out. I don't want to go to His Word. We've gone through those seasons, there's just kind of dryness, right? Having those dry bones. And, and here's what God's Word reminds us. As David is reminding us, and as Ezra put all that, that stuff together in the book of Psalms, um, he, he doesn't want us to forget, they don't want us to forget this, that the law of the Lord is perfect. Nothing else is perfect. He says, reviving the soul, the testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. So when David's talking about the law, when he says that it's perfect, he's talking about what he has at the present time, which is the Torah in Hebrew. Uh, that's the first five books of the, the Bible. So in the Old Testament, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, right? And we were talking about that before service started um, with the band. I, I know I grew up with Bible drill, and we kind of all did a variation of things like memorizing the Word and the books of the Bible. It seems like a lot of those things have just kind of out of the wayside, right? And so as we, we think about those things and, and pray about them, especially recently, those are on my mind, and I want to go, how do we get back to some of those things? How do we remind ourselves of what the Word says, what God's law says? And specifically, David, when he was saying this, he was also talking about the law. So in Exodus 22 through 17, we find the law, the Ten Commandments, and it says uh, this, I'll summarize it for you, that we should have no other gods before God. We shall not make a carved image an idol. We should not take the Lord's name in vain. We should remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. We should honor our father and mother. I like that one. Talk to our kids about that often. Don't murder, right? We shouldn't do that. Don't commit adultery. Don't steal. Don't lie. Don't covet. Don't want what others have. And so this law is perfect. What David's talking about is he's like, I'm just thinking about the book of Leviticus, right? He's just like, he's reading through and he just, I just delight in that. He talks about that throughout the Psalms. And we kind of go, Oh, man, all right, I mean, I, I guess I could try that <laughs> when I tried it the last time I fell asleep, right? But, but God's Word is perfect, and it's holy, and it revives us. And we've got to think about it like that, too. We've got we, we to go to it and hold on to it and not let go. So the testimony of the Lord is sure. So this word here for the Lord Jehovah, this ever-existing one, he says that this word is perfect. Tamim in the Hebrew, which means meaning complete. It's, it's full. Uh, it's perfect. And I love this word for revive. It's the word shub in the Hebrew, and it means to convert or restore, right? Uh, we need some of that lately, right? We need to be restored. It's been a tough season, hasn't it? Now we still, like, everybody's not wearing masks now, so people, well, some people are smiling. So as you're out and you're doing things, uh, I love that we're starting to see those things now, but we can still see the effects, right? 
we can still see the effects on people's faces of having covered up for a long time, right? And even as things begin to start to change in school, at the end of school, we hope that looks different next year. Uh, we, we think about some of these things and we go, man, we really need some reviving, right? We really need the Lord to, to do something great. And he's already been working in our hearts, but I feel like there's these scars like from what's gone on that he's trying to help us work through. And the only thing that will restore us, the only thing that, that revives those dry bones, that brings us back to that place where we can truly fixate on God and go, God, you're the only perfect person in my life. You're the only, you have the only perfect word that you give to us from the beginning. And it says this in verse 8, the precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes, enlightening the eyes. And so I, I love this. And so as you look at this, precepts of the Lord are right. Well, we know that. We think about that, rejoicing the heart. Um, we shouldn't be surprised, like when we, especially when we come to this place. Maybe we've had a tough week. Maybe we're like, man, I tried to do my quiet time this week, and I did it a couple of times. But man, when I got to church and like the people of God were together, um, it was good, right? I've had some people tell me, well, I don't need church. I can read my Bible whenever I want. I don't need to, I don't need to be there. But what, what David says here, he says that this reviving of the soul it takes place, this testimony of the Lord is sure, making the wise simple. And included in his law, it's this, this gathering together. Remember the Sabbath, right? And we, we're still doing that. Some people say the law doesn't matter anymore, right? Well, Jesus fulfilled it, but yet he still calls on us to live in a way that we would be seeking him wholeheartedly all the time. And then in verse 8, he says, rejoicing the heart. Um, and I don't know about you, but I need that every Sunday, right? Just to, just to be together to rejoice our hearts. This should be happening all week long, but it happens in a special way here. He says, the commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. I love that word for enlightening. In the Hebrew, it's the word uh, or, uh, O-R-E. Um, and I, I remember it now, and I shared with you several weeks ago, uh, when I was looking at uh, a message for a Sunday, um, Alana was there with me, our oldest and um, in the past, I'd reviewed the message with her. She just fell asleep. And that's sometimes how we put her to sleep. But now she's very engaged. And so she wants to know. And she saw that word. She goes, Oreo? Uh, uh, well, yeah, kind of. Uh, so O-R-E, when it's transliterated into English, you read it. And then we have the understanding that it's this uh, enlightenment, this, uh, this same idea, this reviving, that God gives us a certain way to see things, Right. And we know sometimes, like when we, we haven't eaten, because we've all seen the commercial, right? You're not you when you're hungry, yeah? So God, in a way, he gives us these spiritual Oreos, this enlightenment in the book of Hebrews. And as silly as that can sound, God really does. He helps us see rightly, helps us change our perspective. We're hungry, maybe we don't see things rightly. Well, when we're hungry spiritually, too, it's hard to see things well. It's hard to see things right. That's what he says right here. Uh, the, the precepts of the Lord are right. Command, and the commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. That's what he does for us. In Genesis one fifteen, it says, use the same word and it uses it in a different way. It says, let, the, let them be lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light upon the earth. And so when God was creating things, the same use of this word, when God gave light to everything, when he allowed everything to be visible, to have a light shining on it, he, he says in a similar way, if you want to know how to navigate life, if you want to understand what's right, if you want to understand what's pure, then let me give it to you. And David knew that. He goes, why, why are we all scrambling around, like trying to, trying to figure things out on our own when God has all the answers here in his word and he knows what's right? Well, if you look at the book of Romans, there's this, this idea present throughout that there's this transforming that takes place through the renewal of our minds. 
that as we're sanctified progressively, is what was the theological term, we, we're being moved in this direction of God, but it takes effort, right? We don't just do this by accident. Um, we're supposed to be purposely seeking God, and that's why um, I love that really over the last year, it's been a little bit more than that, we started doing the, the quiet time together. And so we look at those passages um, daily together, and we have the ability to, from like the little kids um, all the way up to the adults, uh, to read that same passage and have it presented to us in a way that we can understand and we can grow together. And what a great spiritual discipline. This is what we should be about, right? And David knew this. He was in the law, I can guarantee you, every day, right? Probably a good part of the day. And when some of us would maybe look at David's quiet time, we'd be like, oh, wow. Like, uh, it's like, that's varsity-level quiet time, right? Um, for us, maybe it's a few minutes, maybe it's half an hour, maybe it's an hour. Whatever time you can give, David knew the importance of, us, of it, and he's trying to help us understand, and God wants us to understand. And in verse 9, it says, The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rule of the Lord's are true and righteous altogether. So this word for fear, we've seen it many times in the Psalms, but it's the word yare in the Hebrew, just meaning reverence. So do we have reverence for God? I mean, do we really believe He is the God of the universe? If we did, and we have direct access to Him, why, I mean, why wouldn't we? Like, why wouldn't we want to be with Him? Like, the fact that He just says, I I'm, I'm freely want to spend time with you, God of the universe. By the way, that's good anytime. It's not going to run out. Um, it's not like those little cards like you fill up, like when you go to the, the video game store and they run out, and you're like, oh, no, we've got to recharge the card. No, God's, it doesn't run out. He says, anytime you want access to me, I can give it. But do we approach God rightly? Do we really believe he is who he said he is, the Lord? Because this fear of him, this reverence for him is clean, it's right. We should view the Lord that way. Enduring forever, the rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. So what lasts forever? Well, God, his word. And this is why we go to him. This is why all the, like, the popular ideas of we call pop culture or um, disagreements that take place socially or politically, it's not that we can't have our own view, but what's the most important view? Well, it's God's and his word. And David knew this. He says the rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. Uh, what happens to man's rules? What happens to man's ideas? Well, there's always some element of impurity, right? Um, of uh, an inability to fully connect with the truth. Right? And maybe there's some portions of truth in it, but the, where do we go? We go to God in His Word. You know, that's how He reminds us. He tells us, do we stick to it? Because it lasts forever, right? It's not like that. You know, I always think about like the food, right? That you, you, know, you put in the Tupperware, it goes to the back of the fridge, and then something else goes in there and something else gets in there, right? Everybody's like, we don't do that. Yeah, we keep a clean fridge. Yeah, right. Nobody does. And uh, so you, you, you go in there like a couple weeks later, and I was wondering about that lasagna. I want some lasagna, it's, but it's not good anymore, right? It's definitely not good. So you go into the check and check on it, and you're extremely disappointed because what's happened? It's gone bad, right? That's because everything in this world, right? And God reminds us through the fall that, that we try to save things, right? We try to hold on to things. Eventually, everything gets destroyed, right? Moth and rust, that's what it does. And food, too. It lasts even a lower amount of time because uh, we look in there for it and it's gone, right? It's, it's a goner. But yet, the Word will last forever, God's Word, and our reverence towards Him because He doesn't change. And so the second fill in the blank is power in reward. Power in reward. And this is really our perspective. So as God gives this to the, us as we seek Him, um, we should view this in the right way uh, because it's this reward that's greater than anything else. And so we think about heaven, right? And we think about eternity, and those things are good and right. But it says here in verse 10, more to be desired are they than gold, 
even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the drippings of honeycomb. So to put it in our context, um, in, in our way of understanding, because we'd be like, honey, right? I mean, that's weird. Like, I can go get that at the store. Like, that's not super valuable. Um, or um, what about like gold? Like, I mean, we got like gold. Like, you, you got your safe at home, right? Stacked up with gold and treasure, you know, and the balloons. I mean, we think about like, like a pirate's treasure, right? That's not exactly how we store up wealth or acquire things, right? Most of it's electronic now. Uh, I was talking to, that, <laughs> talking to somebody about that this week. Um, uh, who has just, you know, cash laying around? Well, probably not a lot of us do, right? Especially with COVID, it's like everything was made electronic. So where do all those valuables, where do all those things sit? Well, somewhere on a computer somewhere, right? <laughs> that's, that's about the way that it is right now. Uh, you hope if you need it, you can get it out. But that's where we store things, right? We think about our wealth, our 401k, your savings account, or maybe valuables or something else that you have that's valuable, um, it says that more to be desired are they than gold and much fine gold. So are those things valuable to us? Yeah, that's okay. In this life, God's given us things to take care of ourselves, our family, to retire at some point. And, and God didn't go, those are bad things. Those are good things, right? It's a life being diligent, um, being focused, being prepared. Uh, but he says, man, if those things are more important, I think we've missed it, right? Because he says that there's something more valuable. God, his word, his law, more to be desired than, they, than gold. They're much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the drippings of honeycomb. Um, now when the, the people of God were entering the promised land, what were they told? A land flowing with milk and honey, right? Because when you're out in the desert, what sounds good? Like what, what's, what's like the thing that you want, right? Some dairy, right? Some of that sweet honey from the bees that, by the way, was a lot harder to get back then. <laughs> you don't just have like all the beekeepers that get it for you. Um, and so we kind of glance over things like this. We don't think like that, that yes, uh, the, the accumulation of this is okay, that um, God blesses us, but it can't be the only thing that we focus on or, or we place our hope in, right? Because it could be all be gone in an instant, couldn't it? And then to focus on food, most of us don't go to bed hungry, right? A lot of people around the world do, but we don't. And as I think about that, like I was, I was, I was taking care of the lawn work this week. Uh, I was out there early and then came in. Uh, I don't know, 10, 30, 11. I was hungry, right? So I was thinking about food. I was like, I need to eat something because my body is hurting, right? But, but what if we went, man, God, your word, like just you, your presence, it's sweeter to me than this food that I desire, right? And maybe we should be more in the habit of that. When, like, when we read things like this because there's a reward in knowing God and following him, and, and it's even greater than like, wealth and like all the wealth you could accumulate in your entire life and the even this the food that you eat every day if you just went like wait a minute let me remember that god and his word that the way that i live my life and focus on him and grow it's a greater reward than even the good things that he gives me right than even the 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 storing of wealth and preparation for life uh, and the food that he gives us daily what do we do most of us we give thanks right we say maybe even at every meal we say god thank you for this food that you give us that sustains us. We don't even deserve these things that we have. And he, he reminds us that some, there's something that should be better to us. There's something that should be sweeter to us, right? And that puts it in perspective. Well, I want to eat. I want to I live life. I want to do those things. And that's okay. And that's right. That's the way God's designed us to keep ourselves alive, to give us good things, to remind us of him, but not so that we would be like, those things are better. Those things are greater. Those things are the point of my life. And, I, and I've been worried about us. I mean, the, the world as a whole, right? As we went through COVID, it was like, 
we got to hoard things, right? Because those are the things that will, you know, sustain us or take care of us in the end. We've got to accumulate all these things for ourselves. We've got to make sure that we're taken care of. We got all panicked. We got filled with anxiety and worry. And that's where we went. Like, am we, are we going to be okay financially? Let's, let's keep this. Let's store this away. Let's make sure we're good. Let's make sure we got food, right? It was toilet paper, right? It, was, it wasn't like cereal. That was the strangest thing you think. Cereal would make sense. Bread would make sense, right? Uh, but it was toilet paper, so don't ask me why. Somebody probably has an answer. But that's where we went. And so God, he wants to remind us through David. He's saying, what's really the most important thing? Well, it's God, and it's his word. It's his law. He reminds us about this every single day. He renews us, but don't lose sight. Don't lose perspective on what really matters because there's this great reward that we get in going, God, you are really more important than a daily food portion, right? You are really more important than everything that I could acquire in my entire life. And then in verse 11, he says, Moreover, by them is your servant warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. So this word here for reward, it's the akeb in the Hebrew, meaning consequence, gain, or the end. Genesis 22:18 uses it uh, as the word blessed, and it says, And in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because you have obeyed my voice. So if you know the story um, of Abraham, uh, it had been a, a long time, and Abraham and Sarah didn't, well, they didn't have a child. And God came to him and told him they would, and they did. And then God does something that most of us would think was crazy. He says, Abraham, I want you to take your only son, the son that I gave to you in old age, and I want you to sacrifice him to me. God, wait, you want me to do what? I want you to sacrifice him to me. And he goes, and he's almost at that point, and God stops him. And here's what God says to him. And in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because you've obeyed my voice. So, so where does this blessing come from? Like, where does this reward come from? We think that it's like just in the simple things of life, like God giving us money to retire or food to eat every day or, you know, a good family with, you know, out any health issues. Uh, but what God says here, he says, blessed because you've obeyed my voice. You've been rewarded because you've obeyed my voice. And so what, what do you see throughout the scriptures that God's always saying, look to me, look to my word, and obey my word, obey my voice, because that's what matters in the end. Don't, like we think that we make a lot of sacrifices too, right? At times we think that the things that we do for God or like, and I, I served that, you know, charitable organization. I mean, I come to church, but what is God really after? And he's after obedience, right? And that happens, I think, in the, the, the daily pursuit of God, uh, because it's easy to forget and it's easy to hide, Right? It's easy to assume or think about others. That, and yeah, they just do that. I mean, they read their Bible. They think about God. Um, they, they pray. They sit there and they meditate on his word. But do we, right? That's the question. And only you can answer that. I mean, your time with the Lord, I hope that it shines forth and that you also lead your families in that way too. And kids, you will do that because it makes all the difference. And it did for Abraham that he obeyed God. And then here's the last fill in the blank. The power over sin. And, and this is what gets us sometimes. Maybe you find that you're, you're going through this and you think power to be transformed. Yeah, I've been transformed, right? The Bible talks to us about that, that I've, I've been renewed and I'm being renewed daily and I'm doing my quiet time and like I'm just really hitting it, like coming out of, you know, coming out of COVID, and like everybody's happy now and like I really feel good. 
And we even were like, yeah, I have that reward, right? God, I know that your word is more valuable than possessions, than money, than anything we could acquire in this life. It's, it's more valuable even than my food. If I was being honest, I could even maybe go a meal without eating. Yeah, what does that say about you? Well, maybe you feel good about that, but what about the sin in our lives? Because God, he's going to address this too, and David, he doesn't leave this out, which is a good thing. He says this power to overcome sin, this power over sin. What does it do? Well, in verse 12, it says that it overcomes falsehood. Verse 12 says, Who can discern his errors? Declare me innocent from hidden faults. Who can discern his errors? I mean, who, who knows everything they've ever done wrong? That'd be a long list, right? Uh, but David says, who, who can know it? I mean, who can understand these things, right? Now, we know the things that are like inherently wrong, right? If we yell at our spouse, probably wrong, right? Uh, if we look at our sibling and we, we take something that belongs to them, or we treat them poorly, probably wrong, right? That's clearer than the law that God's laid out. We see those things and we go, yeah, I don't think I've done any of those things lately. But what is David talking about? He's talking about all these things that we do and we're like, we're not even, we did them without even thinking, right? Oh, you can sin without even thinking about it? Yeah, we can make mistakes. We can do things that don't honor the Lord. And then we're like, oh man, I'm, I wonder, what would, that, what would that list look like? You don't want to know, right? It would be way too long. But here's what he says, declare me innocent from hidden faults. But maybe to put it in a little bit of perspective, there's this guy named Gregory of Nyssa. He, he was a bishop um, around uh, 327 AD, and he was uh, instrumental in putting together the Nicene Creed. Uh, if you don't know what that is, that's okay. Um, just a document that was put together by church fathers that kind of helps us understand the Bible and where we stand theologically. And so good things, not the Bible, uh, but a document that helped push us in the right direction in church history. And here's what he said about verse 12. He said, so wicked and hard to cure and strong are those things possessed in the depths of our souls that it is not possible to rub them out and remove them through human efforts and virtue alone unless through prayer we take the power of the Spirit as an ally and in this way conquer the evil that is playing tyrant within us as the Spirit teaches us through the voice of David, cleanse me from my unknown faults and he's using a different translation there cleanse me from my unknown faults declare me innocent from my hidden faults and so do, do we do we go to god in this way like after we've, you know, we feel confident right we've been transformed we are following jesus we're a believer and we we know that we have this reward and it's more valuable than anything else that life has to offer the word god a relationship with him through his son jesus and what he's done for us on the cross but then when it comes to sin like do we really believe that that god gives us that power over sin that he, says, that he says right here in this first way that we should approach God when it comes to the things that we don't, we're not even aware about, that we're doing like all the time. He says, who can discern his errors to clear me innocent from my hidden faults? Because there is, there's this war going on. It's going on inside of us. It's going on all around. Um, and in a couple of weeks, we'll start this series on spiritual warfare. It's just called the war. Um, sometimes we ignore these things and we don't think about them as much and we should, right? Because they're important, especially the things going on inside of us. And so the sin that, that plagues us, um, David's saying, declare me innocent of these things, God. And you can do that. You have the power, right? And then what does he do in verse 13? There, really, he can overcome all sin. We know he's done this in the cross for us through what Jesus has done. But there are things that we do on purpose, right? You're like, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. I don't do anything wrong on purpose. Yeah, we do, right? Sometimes every single day. And here's what verse 13 says. Keep your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. 
then I shall be blameless and innocent of great, of great transgression. So, but what do we do? I mean, sometimes it's just daily, right? And we just, we're like kicking ourselves. It's like what, what Paul said in Romans. He says, and there's things that I do that I don't want to do. And the things that I want to do, I don't do, right? And, and God, he does. He brings those things to our minds so that we might come to him in repentance, not so that we would just be beat up, right, about our sin, not so that we would just, you know, be like, I just can't do this anymore, right? If you think that, and that's just Satan whispering in your ear, and he's telling you, you can't do it because you're not perfect. Well, what do we know? The only one who's perfect is God. The only thing that's perfect is his word, which he gives to us to guide us. And he reminds us of where, where our hearts should be, where our perspective. There are these things that we do that we're just not even aware of. And God, we, we just need to give those to God and say, God, whatever I've done, and I need your help. Like, like, don't allow those things to have dominion in my life. And that's what he says right here. These things that I even do on purpose, these presumptuous sins, and blueletterbible.com, which is a great resource, by the way. You can check that out uh, later. Um, it classifies these presumptuous sins that David talks about as um, things we know better on, right? Like, we should know better. You know? We, just, we shouldn't treat people poorly, right? We shouldn't yell at our spouse. We shouldn't, you know, we, we think about those things that are obvious, and we go, oh man, I wish I didn't do those things. God help me. Now, what about when friends have warned us, right? Have you ever had a good friend? Uh, have you ever had a family member, a mentor, maybe that was like, hey, maybe you should think about doing something differently. Maybe that was not so good, that thing that you did. Um, and I hope that we all have friends like that, right? And people who would be able to speak into our lives, mentors who would say, let's make an adjustment, right? And we should listen to those things. So if we, we, if we do those things, we're like, oh, yeah, that friend who loves me and cares about me told me I should steer away from that. Uh, what about when God himself has warned us? It's another way. Uh, through his word, uh, whatever takes place in his word, the things that we see that are obviously, that are overt, his, his law which points us away from anything sinful, and we go, oh, okay, I'm going to do it anyway, right? That's one. Uh, what about when we have warned others against a particular way of doing things? Um, and it can be the simple things too. I mean, maybe even in this season, like we found ourselves like coping um, with the difficulty of COVID. I mean, I know when we were at home, like everybody was just eating ice cream all day, right? Watching Netflix. Maybe not all of us, right? <laughs> maybe not all of us, okay? Uh, some of us, I know, right? teachers are like doing everything on video. Some of us are still going to work, right? Essential workers, you know, a lot of us in the room. And so, but maybe, maybe that's you. Maybe you just like you found things to cope with and maybe they just weren't the most healthy, right? Instead of immersing ourselves in the Word, instead of having conversations about God and what He's like working on us right now, which was really uncomfortable, by the way, when you have to like sit there, oh, wait, we're not supposed to go anywhere, wait, so we're just supposed to be here and do what? I don't know. I mean, there, I can think of a few positive things, right? But maybe you spent some time in some things that weren't so beneficial. And what about this? When we plan and relish our sin. Oh, man, not me, right? I would never. But the truth is that when David says this, he was talking about himself, too. He wasn't just going, he wasn't talking to a group of people and going, you, you guys are being bad, being naughty, you shouldn't do that, right? I saw you the other day. <laughs> no, he said, he said, keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. He was talking about himself, the servant of God. Keep me from those things. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. And so this word for dominion here, the mashal in the Hebrew, meaning to reign over. Man, David, he, I mean, he lived 3,000 years ago. Seems like he's got a pretty good idea of what we struggle with now, doesn't he? 
Well, that's because God inspired him to write this. And when he wrote it, he said, let it not have dominion over me. The things that I do on purpose that would dishonor you, God. Not remove not only those things that I do, and I'm not even aware, aware about it, but the things that I do on purpose. And I'm just like, why do I do that? He says, don't let them have dominion over me. Don't let them have a reign over me. Well, how does God do this? Well, through, through the relationship that we have with him, but being close to him, right? Why is it so much more difficult? We think like when things are going well and we feel close to the Lord, it's because we're, we're spending that time with him. We're seeking him diligently, even, even more so sometimes when things are difficult. And we, if we trust in him more fully, he doesn't let this take place in our lives, right? And when it does, we go back to him and say, that's your servant, God. Let this not have dominion over me, my presumptuous sin. And by the way, it's okay for us at any time to go to God like this and ask him and say to him, God, we need your help, right? We don't have it all together. Anybody have it all together? Eh, okay, yeah. Bruce said, I got it all together. Yeah. So we'll talk to him afterwards. But if you're like, you know, everybody else, right? Everybody else in the rest of the world, then you don't have it together, right? Nobody does. And I love this at the end, uh, verse 14. Um, the pastor that I... Uh, that uh, the church we were at formerly when I was a youth pastor, um, he would always use this at the end of his messages when he was praying. I was like, why does he say that over and over again? And I read it this week, and it was like a new and a fresh for the first time, right? I mean, we read things in God's Word, and like we've read it a hundred times, but then you read it, and you're like, oh, I get it. I get it now, or I get it in a new way. Verse 14 says, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock my Redeemer. So God knows what's going on, right? As David approaches God, he said, here's how I want to be, God. I know you've, you've got this power to transform my life. You've got this power to show me what the real reward is like. It's not just about sitting there and going like, I'm going to wait here. I'm not going to do anything until God comes back. I'm going to get to be in heaven. That's my reward. No, the the reward's present with us right now, too. The reward of knowing God and following him faithfully. And then David takes it a step further. He takes it an uncomfortable step, right? And he says, God's got power in your life right now. He's given it to you over sin, over this dominion of sin that takes place, things we're not aware of, the things that we do on purpose. We're like, I shouldn't have done that, right? And God, he steps in and he gives us this grace. And David knows that even writing 3,000 years ago, as he's inspired by God himself. He says, let the words of my mouth, the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. I would say that's a pretty good prayer to pray each day, right? And so as we do our quiet times, I just wanted to remind us, and you'll see this in the questions um, afterwards. Hopefully you take those home and talk about them at home. Um, But how could we add that, right? How could we add that to our daily prayer and really mean it, you know, not just like say it, because we say a lot of things just when we pray, and we're like, they don't always mean something. But this should mean something to us, that if it really has power, if this word that God gives us to transform, to reward, and if this power over the sin in our lives that take place, we should have this perspective. Let the words of my mouth, the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. I hope this would be our prayer, our focus, and maybe maybe like this, I'll close it with just an illustration. Um, I grew up in Tornado Alley, and so if you don't know what that is, it's really about an 800-mile stretch in the south uh, where you get lots of tornadoes, which sounds like a fun place to be. Um, I promise I had a good time growing up, and I, I love Texas. I love being here, too. It's just like you trade off like feet of snow for tornadoes every once in a while, right? Um, which is okay. 
And uh, so, but I, I, was, I was just looking at a couple stories of, you know, tornado outbreaks that happen every year. And there was one uh, in April 2011 um, that just kind of swept that tornado alley. We got several, um, 2011 and April, if you look it up. And there was a series of tornadoes that just devastated um, this area in Alabama um, near Wellington. And 250 people died in that, just in, in that, you know, stretch of storms. Um, and there was this family that was outside, caught them unaware, and they had kids, and they're like, you know, what do we do? They tried to get to a building, um, but it was one of those, like, steel buildings that got just blown over. And so they, they found some rope, and they went to a, a tree, like a large tree. And you're thinking, like, where am I going to go in a storm? Probably not a tree, but that's what they did. And so they went to this tree, and they, like, just tied everybody to the tree. And they wrapped themselves and their kids around it were holding on to them for dear life. And this tornado comes by and just rips everything apart. And, of course, you know, it rips off the leaves and all that kind of stuff and branches. But what normally happens, like, after, I don't know if you've seen a lot of, like, tornado damage. Like, everything's destroyed except for, like, these you know, huge trees. Some of them get knocked over. But um, normally, they're still sitting there in the ground when they go by. Maybe they're bent over a little bit. And so after the storm came by, everything else was destroyed. And they were still sitting there tied to this tree. <laughs> going, like, if we had gone anywhere else, if we'd gone to that building, it's just, like, in splinters, right? But this tree had saved them. And I, I wonder if we think about... So if you're in a tornado ever, maybe a tree is a safer place to be. That's not what they say. But maybe if we were to think about, you know, God and his word and um, the way that we live our lives and the way that we approach him as, man, when the storm's coming, right? Um, even when it's not, like, where, like, where do we place ourselves? Where do, do we really believe, like what David said, that this word has power? It not only transforms our lives, it only gives us this reward of, yeah, not just heaven, uh, not as we think about that, but this reward of knowing him and following him faithfully of God just saying, thank you for the word that you give me today to sustain me. It's better than life. It's better than food. It's better than wealth or acquisition, right? And it's got power over sin. And don't believe the lie. Like, I mean, because we'll go home, we'll spend our, you know, our weeks in similar ways that we do, and we, just, we listen to those lies. Satan, he whispers in our ears, and he says, you're not good enough. You're not powerful enough. You know what we need to say? That's exactly right. Because God in his word is this reward that we have and this power over sin. And so I want to I just give you that opportunity. Um, maybe you're here, maybe you're listening online, and you've, you've never really viewed God's word like this. Like you've just gone, maybe it's been a little bit helpful, but it's not really been that powerful to me. I, and I've, you know what, I've never really put my faith and trust in God. You see, he did this thing. He sent Jesus to die for our sins, his only son to die for our sins on the cross. And he shed his blood for us so that he could take on all the punishment, all the sin of our lives, past, present, and future, for all time, for everyone. The Bible tells us we would admit that we're sinners, right? Eh, God, we can't do it on our own. We believe that Jesus is who he said he was, that he went to the cross and died for us, and he was raised again on that third day. And the last thing is confess with our mouths. We've got to audibly acknowledge that he's the Lord of our life. The scripture tells us that we will be saved if we do that. And so if that's you, uh, maybe if that's you struggling, uh, man, we can always go to God. We can go to his word, and it gives us that reminder to be transformed, that we have the reward present in our life right now as we look towards the future reward. We have this power over sin, and it doesn't have to control us, right? That God controls us, his word, his purity in our lives, okay? Uh, so let me pray for us, and we've got a special announcement that we're going to make, okay? Uh, Father, we come to you today. God, we, we need your help. Help us to uh, think about this. Help me to think about it. Um, God, that uh, you give us this great reward in knowing you and walking with you faithfully. God, and we fall down. God, and we do things that like we're not even aware of. Um, help us. Help us 
We know your hand is there. I pray that we would take it, that we wouldn't sit in shame, that we'd say, God, thank you for the help. Give me your hand again. I need it every day. I uh, pray that we could walk like this, um, that our sin would not reign over us. Um, David knew he had access to your power. Um, God, I pray that we would um, live knowing we have access to the exact same power that he did. Uh, man after your own heart, I pray we would live like this. And that's uh, in your name we pray. Amen. Okay, um, and now as uh, we're cutting off the live feed, sorry, bye. Have a good day. Uh, we've got some church things um, that we're going to share with you. Okay, uh, so if you turn your attention to the screens, um, I, I hope that you had the opportunity to come and visit with um, David and Rachel. Um, they're uh, a couple of candidates for our internship. This is honestly something that we've been